Hey, Sonny, talk about small worlds. You come to this closet too? Arthur? Arthur? Arthur. We don't know any Arthur. No, we were just hanging around trying on shoes. Welcome to the show, Moonlighting fans. Whether you're a Moonlighting fan from way back when, or whether you are new to Moonlighting and you want to learn more about it because you want to know what all the hype is about, you have come to the right place. Hi, I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. And we're your hosts for the podcast that is all about Moonlighting. When we talk about Moonlighting, we're talking about the Emmy Award-winning 80s TV series starring Bruce Willis and Simple Shepherd. So if you're a fan of theirs, you're going to want to stay tuned as we review all 66 episodes. I hope you enjoy this journey with us because we are going to be watching the series episodes one by one and discussing them every two weeks. This is going to take several years, as you can imagine. So please join us because we are going to have so much fun along the way. That's right. And we really want to include our Moonlighting fans in this project as much as possible. So write to us and let us know what your thoughts are. And even if you have some trivia to disclose, our email address is fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com. And we will include you in our future episodes. So stay with us. Shauna and I are beyond excited to finally bring Moonlighting into the 21st century for some serious discussions. You up for it, Shauna? I sure am. Well, let's get started. Thank you for listening to The Next Murder You Hear, Part 1. And now, here's Part 2. Yes, as David says, a nice hacienda. And I love how he sings into the microphone award. Yeah. I know, that's funny. Nice little apartment. And then David mentions, which is quite true, that he must have had a sugar mama because he couldn't afford this house on his salary. Yes, it's not the the salary of a man who works the graveyard shift. So, of course, Sonny and Laura arrive. They're collecting her things, but I don't understand why they're collecting her things. Because really, you would think that it's Laura's house Mm. that she's given him and she knows that he's not dead. So why is she coming to get her clothes? I don't get it. Maybe in case the police come and check. Maybe too, because Sonny doesn't know he's alive. So she's playing along with it, I guess. You're right. Sonny doesn't know he's alive. So she's got to kind of play the role of the grieving girlfriend. Yeah. And of course, they come out of the closet. (laughs) Um, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And of course, um, Laura's got a gun thinking that her husband has hired them to find her and to find out what the hell's going on. And we have that banter again about who are you working for? (laughs) I know. It's really cute. It's funny. That's really funny. That whole banter again. It's so good. Yeah. Maddie's standing behind David looking at him going, they want to know who we're working for, who we're working for. (laughs) Yeah. This breaks me up. I know. I notice how um, Maddie and David are Sybil and Bruce. They stand so close to each other in these scenes sometimes. And I know, I'm sure a lot of it is for the camera, but sometimes it doesn't seem like it is, you know, it's like she's up against his back, you know what I mean? Holding onto his arm. And um, yes. I'm just thinking like long hours of filming being so close together all of the time. And you know what I mean? Just how they might've like gotten sick of each other sometimes. Not a bad job, you know, rubbing up behind Bruce, but. I um. reckon. <laughs> I like the scene with Maddie and Laura. Um, when they're discussing how they like money and asking Maddie Mm -hmm. about her modelling and how she made her money. It's a great close-up of both of them. Yeah. It's a deep conversation. Woman to woman, understanding why she's in this situation. 
Yeah, so I think at this stage we're assuming that Sonny's got the hots for Laura. Right, you starting know, to. I think maybe always had the little torch for her, but now sees yeah. his opportunity because yeah. he thinks that Paul is dead. Maddie and David walk out of the house and they are convinced that Arthur Boyd is the killer because he's found well, out that his wife's having an affair yeah. with Paul. They're saying that's the next step. He's a good person to look into now. McCain's boss, Mr. Boyd's a pretty good suspect, has the means, has the motives, and we ought to pay him a visit. And it's interesting how Maddie, as they're walking out, Maddie is thinking out loud. Why is it that the people who ask someone always want someone else and the people who have no one just get left? Come again? Yes, I wrote that down as well. And this is right after she asks Laura, well, I guess I was kind of a fan. Was he as great in person as he was in the radio? And Laura basically says, no, he was better on the radio. Yeah, I wonder if she said that for her benefit, because surely she didn't really believe that because she loved him and she knows he's still alive. And they were going to great lengths to be together. Yes. So whether she just said that for Maddie's benefit. I agree. Good observation. Yeah, and that Maddie thinks out loud. And now this is a little peek into David's like, wait, what? And she's like, never mind. He's like, no, I want I want to understand this. Is this a peek into Maddie's dating history? Why is it the people who have someone like Laura want someone else? It's like she already has someone and now she's got someone else. And, you know, and she's even saying that he's not that great. And the people who have no one just get left and Maddie's alone. So it's almost like she's talking about herself in a way, you know. But why like would that has- be? Why, why do you think that would be, though? Because she's absolutely gorgeous. You would have thought she would have had heaps and heaps of boyfriends. Yeah, and she might have, but Maddie is so kind of difficult. cold. And, yeah, <laughs> di- difficult, cold in particular. Yes. You can never please her. That's my motto of Maddie. She's difficult. She's difficult to please, right. And that's yeah. when he says, you're hung up on Paul McCain. He calls it right out. And he says, yeah. it's a scene from a Betty Davis movie you just played in that apartment up there. Yeah. Which I'm in the middle of trying to find which movie Glenn is talking about. So I'm going to do that yeah. <laughs> a future episode. It could be if Betty Davis did a ton of pictures, um, it could just be a general reference to maybe yeah. the, the dramatics. I think she was very like overdramatic actress. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, from what I've seen, I haven't seen a lot of her pictures, but just from clips. Yeah. So maybe he thought it was very like a dramatic, like, was he as great in person as yeah. he sounded on you know, maybe just thought yeah. it was dramatic. So it was something like that, or I was maybe thinking it was a, a particular movie where Betty Davis's character is in love with a dead man or something, you know. I was trying to find some similarity there, but I ran out of time, so. So they get in the car. I always notice she pulls away from the curb, like, so fast. Yeah, um, I don't know why she does that. So they're having their conversation in the car, yeah. and the conversation yeah. turns Yes. very yes. dark with some effects from a thunderstorm, water on the windshield, and she's telling him that she thinks he's jealous. And, of course, he gets very defensive about that. Yes. And he says, jealous of what? Jealous of who? And that's a line that is said many, well, at least two other times. Can you think of other episodes? He says it here, but she says it. Oh, yeah, yeah, in knowing her. Yeah, exactly. And I think he says it, or one of them say, says it in later in the trilogy, in Sam and Dave. In the yeah, I was going to say it had to be a Sam and Dave thing. <laughs> yeah. But here's more insight into their kind of pointing out like, what, do you have a crush on me? Are you jealous? They're definitely, you know, the beginning of pointing out like, well, who am I to you? You know, you have a crush on me, blah, blah, blah. And they're always trying to deny it. They don't want to admit that. But like you said, yeah, the mood really changes and then rain. I just think it's a great effect using 
the rain mm-hmm. once the conversation turned using the rain and the thunderstorm to portray that scene in that yes. way because yeah. of their mood and their dialogue. I thought it was a great addition to the scene. Yeah, and he tries to apologize and says something like, look, I'm sorry if I said something to upset you. And she says, you couldn't. Conversation doesn't end well. And then the rain continues and Maddie's, we have an interesting shot through the window of Maddie's bedroom. It kind of pushes in through the window and she's sitting on her bed. Yes, I like that. That reminds me of a lot of scenes in West Wing. West Wing does that a lot too. Aaron Sorkin's another one of my favorite writers and um, he loved rain. And there's a lot of episodes with rain. It really is a great effect to reflect the mood of the moment. Yeah. Maddie's still listening and um, he's playing matchmaker. And this is where um, he says, go look at her cubicle. Now he gives the, the caller the idea, you know, what's he interested in? Go look at her things. Is this the reason that Maddie gets in the car and goes to his house? Does, does she want to know more about him? Yes. Yeah, so he's talking to the listener and the listener wants to connect to this girl um, and he says, go by her desk. You've got to find mutual interest. You have to find some common ground. So, of course, she has this epiphany to go to Paul's apartment to look at his stuff, get to know a little bit more about him and look around his house. Yeah, taking his advice. So she's going to break back into his house with Mr. Stickpin. <laughs> she's learning from David how to get into the house. And then, um, yeah, she kind of uh, causes a scene in there. He's now back at his house. Is that the best place for him to be at this stage? No. And I'm just wondering, it's <laughs> yeah. a bit strange because in the other scene where Laura and Sonny turn up, where was he then? Where has he been? Yeah, right. Later in the episode, did he say that they had rented a little house for him to hide out in, but then he, he came back to collect some things or something like that? Oh, right. Yeah, he did say that when he's in front of the fire with Maddie. Oh, okay. I really love the rain in this scene. It's pouring. She goes in, gets out of the BMW and goes into the house, goes up the stairs and she's looking around at his stuff, turns the lamp on and, of course, the phone rings. Yeah, I guess that's what scares her. Because he says later that he'd fallen asleep. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, she knocks over the lamp, which startles him. So he comes out. Now she looks around the corner and... Mm. The way she looks around the corner, I thought she would have recognised him, but she still doesn't know who that person is in the house. Yeah, right. Runs down the stairs, runs outside, pouring rain. The car's not open. She's trying to open this car for dear life, but I don't know why she's trying when she knows she locked it because we saw her lock it when she got out of the car. So runs down the street and, of course, Paul's chasing her. Still doesn't know it's him until he catches up with her. She turns around and goes, oh, my God, you're alive. Now, apparently... I don't know where I saw, I don't know if it was in Scott Ryan's book that this scene really took its toll on Sybil. From what I remember, the camera running with her, she had to do several takes. It was so intense and running in the rain, it would have been so cold and she just fell in a heap at the end of it. Yeah. You know anything about that? Now that you're mentioning it, I do um, remember them talking about her filming this episode and running in the rain and yeah, the emotion of it and her bursting out crying. It's ringing a bell. Yeah. I'll have to look again in the book and see what she has to say about this scene. The rain, a lot of beige, even a beige umbrella, Grace, again. Um, oh, I didn't notice the color of the umbrella. Yeah. Yeah. A beige umbrella. Beige, beige <laughs> oh my God. Even Paul's building is beige. <laughs> yeah, true. But uh, yeah, if it took a lot out of her, you know, she is working at night a lot. 
on this episode. And yes. maybe, you know, these are the kind of things that started pushing over the edge a little bit. Like I can't do these rain scenes. Those can take a long time to film. If you have to film again, you can't be wet. You got to change clothes. You gotta, so yeah, I could see mm-hmm. that it could take a lot out of you to film scenes like that. So maybe these are the kind of things that she pushed back on later, you know. And it's great camera work following her down the street as well. Yeah. And it's on her shoes running him chasing her and it's a great close-up of them both when they meet Mm -hmm. up yeah i'm assuming in a way she's happy that he's alive so she can talk to him and oh my gosh find out if if he is really that persona that he portrays on the radio yeah and uh we'll get to that but now we cut away to david (laughs) (laughs) a great david scene and a very insightful david scene we learn a lot about david here You can always tell with David when he's upset about something or something that hasn't gone his way. He goes to a bar and sings songs. Right. (laughs) True. And he's entertaining people with what he thinks is a microphone. (laughs) Yeah, which is actually what we call a savoury stick. I don't know what you guys call them, but anyway. We'd say a pretzel stick. Oh, it's a pretzel stick. Okay, there you go. And, yeah, so he's singing Respect by Aretha Franklin. And the guy that comes up to him, which I'm assuming is a security guard or a bouncer of the bar, is the tallest man I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because Bruce is already six foot one or something, and this guy's got to be seven feet tall. They like to do that in the show, have Bruce kind of butt up against a very tall guy that looks very um, daunting. That happens a couple of times, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You say he's entertaining people in the bar, but they don't look too entertained. They look a little annoyed. (laughs) Well, as we all know, he's, you know, a little bit self-centered and thinks they're being entertained. What's that? Coffee. Before I didn't order a donut. Hey, these are the jokes, folks. Is this thing on? Tough room, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Maybe he does know that they're not really being entertained. He's not hearing many laughs from his quote-unquote jokes yeah <laughs> he's so funny playing the fool playing the drunk yeah he does that really well so yeah. good so good and we see that as he's walking to the payphone in the bar his little like steps of just enough you know you're not staggering when you're drunk you're kind of trying not to act drunk so he's walking he's trying to walk straight and he you know but he staggers a little bit like just enough he does it so well saying lewd things to the cocktail waitress <laughs> reaching in his pocket for a change because we've got a payphone. yeah and he calls maddie and of course she's not home and her voice message says hi this is maddie hayes yeah mm-hmm. which i think we hear again later but i think it does change her voicemail message at home because he does try to call her quite a few times during the show the series but she's not at home because she's with paul and he's definitely wondering where she is and i think that's why he stays at the bar even longer he drinks even more yeah. Because he's thinking, oh, my God, where is she? Is she with another man? You know, all these thoughts yes. are going through his head. He even says, um, she thinks I'm weird, kinky, unfeeling. And uh, then he tells that story about how he had four chicks around him and he, he's an old-fashioned guy. He told one they had to leave. That's the best <laughs> line ever. I love it. <laughs> I know, it's funny. But he says it's so serious. I'm sorry, but yeah. one of you is going to have to leave. Exactly. Yeah. And to him, that's that's being an old fashioned guy. And so then we go back to Maddie and Paul sitting by the fire. Now Maddie is getting a deeper look at this guy that she's been obsessing over kind of, but the look on her face looks like she thinks he's a little strange now. I think from her facial expressions, I get the impression that 
she's a little bit disappointed in who he is. Yeah, I, I got the same impression. Yeah, not quite living up to her imagination or what she thought or imagined he'd be like off the air because he seemed to be have so much depth on the air. And he says that he's been listening to all the accounts of his death and he said that'll knock the sails out of you if mm. that ever happens to you. As he said to her, well, why did you come here? What were you looking for? Right. Yeah. She doesn't really answer that question. I know, exactly. And to get out of that conversation, she turns around, looks at the window and says, oh, the rain stopped. So that gives her an excuse to leave. Yeah, she kind of wants to get out of there. He's definitely not living up to uh, her fantasy. He hasn't impressed her at all. Nope. Not many people impress Maddie. Yeah, I guess she likes the idea of, uh, of the fantasy sometimes more than the reality. She might even say something like that later on, kind of ringing a bell. The scenes go from Maddie yeah. and Paul to the bar. Maddie and Paul to the bar. So yeah. we're back at the bar and he's yes. really upset that she hasn't gone for him. Yes. And yes. He yeah, says and that. Yeah. So he's like, well, not that she has to go for me. I don't care about that. But, you know, oh, yeah. right. I'm insecure. Okay. I said it. Right. So, I know. <laughs> and it's funny yeah. because as I'm watching the episode, I'm thinking, you are so insecure, buddy. You are so insecure. And then he says it. So, yeah. And remember when I said in the pilot about we have to do this again sometime? This is where he says it again. Oh, um, yeah. You and me have to do this again sometime, Stinky. We think alike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So she arrives at Blue Moon. Maddie comes into Blue Moon the next morning. She gets the mail off Agnes's desk. Gosh, we don't see Agnes much in this episode. She's not in. And Maddie drops some mail off on David's desk and then on one of the workers' desks. She goes into her office and who does she find hanging on the back of her door? Hilarious. I know. That was just too funny. The taxi cab driver tried to put him in a chair, but he kept falling out. So he hung him on the back of the door. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know taxi cab drivers took you all the way up to your, I guess, if you're really, really drunk and you need help. <laughs> yeah, it must have been a thoughtful taxi driver that brought him up there. Um, yeah. But I like the beginning of the scene, how she's in, she's got all the mail. The camera follows her the whole way into David's office. She drops envelopes off some of the desks, comes into her office. You can tell she's struggling to shut the door because of the weight. Yeah, right. So she must have realized as she was shutting it that, hang on, why is this door so hard to shut? And not only that, how often are both those doors open? I know. Not very yeah, often. They would, they would normally be closed. Yeah, and the comedic timing and the physical comedy in this scene is just hilarious. It's definitely one of the classic scenes of Moonlighting. Oh, my God, they dropped David. the bomb. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is that the best? I know, I know. It's, it's great. And a very hungover David, yes, they dropped the bomb. And another reference to Wizard of Oz. What are you doing here? Why are you hanging on my door? Cab driver kept trying to put me in a chair and I kept sliding out. It's really not that bad up here. I keep waiting for the cowardly lion and the tin man to come along. Yeah, that's right. And, of course, she says, David, David, David again. What are you doing on the door? David, 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 you look awful. David, 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 you look awful. Sometimes that's a, that's a way that they say they care about each other. Like, you look awful. But mm. the first of many times that she tells him he looks awful. She's very sympathetic to him, you know. How does she lift him up and take him down? <laughs> yes. So I did notice that 
because yeah. when she's lifting him, you can tell he's stepping down off something. Right. Yeah. And there's a huge hook on the back of Maddie's door, which I have noticed it in other episodes. So it was something that was there and not just Oh, good. This. Yes. Yeah. Good. I wanted to know yeah. that because I couldn't be bothered yeah. going back having a look. <laughs> yeah. We'll look for it in future episodes, but I'm sure I've seen it again. Oh, boy. Does he put his foot in his mouth here? Oh, my God. Yes. He's offering his services. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Yeah. Offering his services, Grace. Wow. Um, wow, really? And call, really? calls her a wanton woman. A wanton woman? She goes, a what? A wanton woman. What? A woman who's wanton. <laughs> a woman who's wanton. And uh, a scarlet pimpernel. Yeah. Did you yeah. look that up? Because I had to look that up. Yes, I already knew about that, but I did oh, look okay. it up as well. So he goes, get your hands off me, you scarlet pimpernel. Yeah. So yeah. It, this was actually a play in 1905. Two years later became a, a successful novel. See, because the character in the book is in disguise. Okay. Um, um, I looked up the two definitions. So wanton woman, a, a woman who enjoys lots of sex. Okay, we can guess that. Um, <laughs> Scarlet Pimpernel, that became kind of a slang. And I know you're going to give us more history, but kind of a slang for someone who is mysterious or evasive. So it to me, it, he's calling her that because he couldn't go, get a hold of her. Yeah, yes, because in the Scarlet Pimpernel, the story, there's been several movies on it actually, um, but okay. it was originally a play. During the French Revolution, a mysterious English nobleman known as the Scarlet Pimpernel snatches French aristocrats from the jaws of the guillotine while posing as the foppish serf Percy Blakeney in society. So he actually has to go out in disguise. That's why David has called her a Scarlet Pimpernel. Because oh, okay. he reckons she plays the innocent, beautiful woman, working woman during the day. But at night, he's feeling that she's not so innocent. Right. Yes. True. So I love that scene. I think it's hilarious. So basically what David's saying to her is, I'm willing to make an offer. I'll make myself available to you when you have urges. So you don't have to go out there searching on the LA streets. Let me know when you want to have sex and I'll have sex with you. <laughs> Basically, that's what he's saying. Yes. Yeah. And we, and we can take care of those urges. You know, you don't have to go just like sleeping around with anybody. And he goes another step too far when he says, now, don't make a pig of yourself. Oh, my God. Wow. Oh, oh my David, God. David, David. But yeah. before that, he says, I, I rang you every 15 minutes last night. And she goes, oh, you did? You that's did. so sweet. And that's when yeah. he says, get your hands off me, you scarlet pimpernel. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, at first she is flattered and does think it's sweet. He slowly turns that. <laughs> she goes yeah. from flattered to offended pretty quick. And, of course, he goes too far and she again kicks him in the leg, on the foot. I don't know. Yes. Of course, employees can't, can't talk to you like that, but can you really kick employees and hit employees this much? But <laughs> Yeah. But I really like the response after she's kicked him because he makes no sound until, you know, <laughs> a few seconds later. You understand the offer I'm making you? I happen to think it's damn nice of me. The trick is not to make a pig of yourself. Think carefully about what you want. Ow! Yeah, I got really it's, hurt. Yeah, it's just the really visual hurt. of it that it hurts so much that he couldn't make a sound. Yeah. She yeah. does it so many times. <laughs> yeah, I know. And she tells him that we're going to forget the last three minutes ever happened. For the good of the company? Not if you understand. For the good of the company and the safety of your life, we're going to forget that the last three minutes ever happened. Not yes, if you understand. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Quickly yeah. nodding his head. Yes, I understand. 
yes, that is all a great scene. I really like how she goes, if you must know, I spent the night with, with who? Yeah, yeah. And there's a close-up of him and he's like, what? Yep. He needs to know. And the rhyming, you don't have to tell me, rhymes with, because she goes, no, I promised I wouldn't say. Come on, secrecy. I said I couldn't say. Come on, give me a hit. Rhymes with Joe. Addison. Madison. Please. Louise. Yeah, he goes, Louise? Like, you're with a woman? (laughs) (laughs) That was great. That was great. Yeah, love that. This whole, again, there's so much like fast banter, you know, and lines that you need to catch. Now, because of you and your tissues and light bulbs, we have no case, you know. That's right. Yeah, so she thinks it's the end of it now. Yes, she's just like, David, you idiot. You've gotten us involved in this. There is no case. We've wasted all this time. No money coming in still. Even the uh, the phone call is funny too, you know, when uh, Paul McCain's alive, I'll kill him. <laughs> and then when he's on the phone, McCain, you got a lot of nerve being alive. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit. <laughs> yeah. like, Maddie Hayes, yeah, she's here. Paul's just explained that Arthur Boyd is dead and he's worried that if people find out he's alive, that he's going to be the prime suspect. Orson Welles was mentioned in there. Yes, and I know why. So this is a reference to a 1949 black and white film starring Orson Welles called The Third Man. In my opinion, it's one of the best movies ever made. It also stars Joseph Cotton and Trevor Howard. So I'll explain the similarity between this episode and the movie. It's set in post-war Vienna and it centres on an American called Holly Martins who arrives in the city to accept a job from his friend Harry Lyme, who is played by Orson Welles, only to learn that Lyme has died. Now, Holly is a little suspicious about the whole thing, so he decides to stay in Vienna to investigate it. Anyway, eventually he finds out that Harry is very much alive, much like Paul McCain. Now, when Orson Welles appears in the movie Alive, it's such an iconic moment in the film because you see a silhouette in the dark with a black cat around his feet. Then he lights up his cigarette, which shows his face. This part has the best lighting and cinematography to uncover such a great moment in the film. And the cinematographer for this film was named Robert Krasker, and he was a... He was a real expressionist cinematographer and he used harsh lighting and unusual camera techniques. And to just add a little more to that, Shauna, the theme to the movie is amazing. I really love it. It actually features just a zither. It's absolutely iconic. You have to listen to it. So if you haven't watched The Third Man, I highly recommend it. It's actually been considered one of the best films of all time. So anyway, that's the similarity between Paul McCain and Harry Lyme. I'm also a coward. Cowards don't kill people. So I disappeared. I disappeared better than anybody in the history of radio. Orson Welles couldn't have done any better. Yeah, so maybe that's just a prequel to hopefully having Orson Welles on the show, although I don't think Glenn would have thought about that that far ahead because the dream sequence is not for another six episodes or so. Yeah, so he's sitting there explaining to them what's going on and I'm assuming they're not even in the room because there's a long scene with just Paul talking. So he wants to hire them to find out who did kill Arthur and says, I didn't kill him. And, of course, David does not like this idea one bit, possibly for several reasons. Maybe he wants to keep Maddie away from him. Yeah. Because they will be accessories, accessories to murder. And that makes us accessories. Accessories to murder, unless we pick up the phone right now and call the police. Accessories? Accessories. Batteries not included. Action figures sold separately. Action figures sold separately. 
Yeah. <laughs> it cracks me up. Yeah. Of course, somebody knocks at the door and yeah. they mention a back door through David's bathroom. Office. Yeah. Now, since when does Blue Moon have a back door? I know, exactly. Yeah. And not only in David's office, one in Maddie's office, because that's where Laura Boyd goes out. And yeah, definitely like some creative licensing going on here. We're missing a lot of early bird business. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, we've really got to start opening earlier. We're missing a lot of early bird business. I really like how he says that because, you know, he puts his hand on his hip as he says it. Yeah, oh, I know, I know. It's really him being a little campy. He'll do that once in a while. Yeah. So, of course, Laura Boyd arrives and wants them to prove that she didn't do it because she reckons she went there and she went to his office and he was already dead. So I really like her hat with the net. I had a few of those in the 80s. I had a red one. Mm-hmm. Very nice. And, of course, I take her out the back door. Actually, going back, I really like the comedic timing of when they had Paul in the room and David is telling Maddie we're going to be accessories if we take this case and about the action figures being sold separately and everything. David says, I don't even know how to dance. And then Paul says, I'll double it. And he goes, I can learn. And then somebody knocks on the door. I'll pay whatever your going rate is. Accessories go to prison, Maddie. Prison. Good looking guy like me behind bars. I don't even know how to dance. I'll double it. I can learn. And it's all done within like four seconds. It's fantastic. So funny. Really well done. And he even says something to Maddie, like, may I remind you how bad you look in stripes? Yeah. Yeah, that's all in there. Yeah. It's... So I think he's got a few ulterior motives there. He doesn't want to take the case because yeah. the agency is going to be implicated. Plus, I don't think he wants her anywhere near him. Yeah. Oh, near definitely. Paul. Oh, and um, everyone's going to meet at the station at 8 p.m. They've agreed that Paul will meet them at 8 o'clock at the station and Laura Boyd's going to meet them at 8 o'clock at the station. And now yeah. they're talking to Sonny. So Sonny's come in because he's followed Laura, thinking that she's there. Sonny's come in to say, I want you to prove that Laura didn't do it. Yes. Because he saw her walk into Arthur's office, which is very rare because Arthur hardly ever uses that office. He's only there once in every blue moon. (laughs) Yeah, I'm funny. funny. Yeah, he found it strange that she walked in and walked out within a couple of minutes. Yeah. Slowly finding out that he has feelings for this woman and he wants her and he doesn't want her to go to jail. So. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. 
This is what kind of dawned on me that he had more feelings for Laura, you know, that he wanted to also be with Laura. Yes, that's right. Now, in this scene, it's really strange because they welcome him into the office. All three of them walk over to the coffee machine. Maddie makes him a coffee, hands it to Sonny. They're talking away. Sonny hands it back to David, who then passes it back to Maddie, who Mm. drinks the coffee. Did you notice that? I did. And yes, I wanted to mention something with this because in the commentary for Every Daughter's Father is a Virgin, it's Sybil and Glenn. And Sybil starts talking about a time where she and Bruce got into an argument about what would be funny with a coffee pot. And they got in an argument about like what would be funny. And Bruce thought this would be funny. And she thought that would be funny. And she kind of learned not to be stuck on your ideas, to just throw everything out there and use the best ones. And this is the only scene that I think that she could possibly be talking about because they never deal with a coffee pot again. No. So what they must have thought was funny, one of them, whoever came up with the idea is that they all keep passing around the same coffee cup and, you know, drinking from it. Yeah. This has to be the scene that she was talking about anyway. Yeah, because it's a very subtle thing. You'd be lucky if you notice it. Right. Back in 1985, yeah. you're watching it. You wouldn't have even noticed. Yeah. Because you're listening to them talking and you're not noticing that she's handed him a coffee. He's handed it back to David and then he's yeah. handed it to Maddie. So I just found that strange that she's made him a coffee and he's basically saying, Oh, I don't want it. Right. And the only reason you can see that is because Sonny's arm goes up as if he's handing something to David. Yeah. Something got cut there. You know, they wanted to have a joke there. You can still kind of see it because we both noticed it and knew something was going on, but they didn't play it up. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Maybe something got cut out. Yeah, I think they cut the joke. Maybe it didn't play how they wanted it to. There was definitely something to it for sure. Mm. You're you're definitely 100% right. As they're talking, David says to Sonny, is he a natural born salesman or what? Yeah. Another or what? And, of course, great timing. Maddie drinks from the cup as he's saying that, and she says, relax, Willie Lyman. Yes. Which obviously is a reference to Death of a Salesman, which was an yeah. Arthur Miller Broadway show. And again, what is it with the damn curtains in Moonlighting moving? Oh. Yeah, so when Sonny walks away from them after the coffee incident, um, he walks over to the, to the window and turns around. The curtain's moving again. Now, I don't know whether it's because he's moved over to it or yeah. I've I'll got stand. this thing with curtains. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I know you mentioned one in the pilot. I didn't notice this one either. So David suggests a skull session, which obviously a skull session is when executives get together to hash out some ideas. Now we're back in the car and she's, how are we going to do that? And how are we going to do this? Yes. Asking his, for his guidance again. Yeah. And she thinks they agree on who killed Arthur Boyd. I know. Oh, I'm so glad you agree. I guess that's why we make a great team until she realizes. (laughs) Of course. Of course he thinks it's Paul McCain because he wants to pin it on him anyway. And, of course, Maddie can't think anything bad about Paul McCain, so she thinks it's Laura Boyd. (laughs) It's hilarious how it's a split second, but when he says, I knew it was Paul, with all that talk about Orson Bean, instead of saying Orson Welles. Oh, Yeah, he says Orson Bean, who was also, he was a stage actor and comedian back in the day. Yeah, but he says Orson Bean. So it's as if he didn't know who Orson Welles was. Bit of comedy there. (laughs) Yeah. That's great. Yeah, something I didn't notice as well. Yeah, and she calls Laura Vampira. Oh, yes. 
And she was uh, back in the 50s or 60s. She was a, we used to have one here too. Mm. She was a ghost host, a horror host. So she would host the start of the horror movie. Yeah. But it only went for a year from what I found. So anyway, that's who Vampira was. And that's why she calls her Black Widow Boyd. Right. Yes. Definitely villainizing these people before Mm. they even really know, (laughs) right, who really did it. And yeah, the whole Laura, Paul, Laura, Paul, Laura, Paul, Laura, Paul, Laura, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. First of all, they get out of the car and you see the radio station building and it's yeah. obviously not them because the body double for Bruce really walks differently. Mm-hmm. He really mm-hmm. doesn't walk like Bruce at all. Anyway, oh, first of all, what I love about American movies and TV shows is that you always get a park at the front. Yes, yes. You never have to uh, park around the corner and and walk up or anything like that. That doesn't happen in Melbourne. You never get a park at the front. Yeah, that that doesn't happen in the States either, especially in Los Angeles. It's a bit of like an episode of Seinfeld where George found a park at the front and he wouldn't move his car for days because he was so excited that he got a park at the front. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, so they go into the studio and she is walked in with no handbag, no clutch. Mm -hmm. Does she have it later? No, I don't think so. I just thought it was unusual to see her without her bag. Uh, that's true. I'm surprised she's not wearing pants because usually on night gigs she uh, wears pants, but she's wearing what she was wearing in the office earlier, right? Yeah. And this is a defining moment in the episode. Yes. Paul and Laura are there and they're like, oh, hi, you figured out who it was. And Maddie and David are like, why don't you go ahead? No, 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 you, no, after you. No, 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 Addison, you go first. No, no. <laughs> Addison, why don't you start us out? No, no, no. That's quite all right, Miss Hayes. Why don't you begin? David. Maddie. You first, Addison. Ladies first, lady. You. You. No. Do it. You, Addison. You, you first. You do it first. No. Do it. You first, You Addison. do it first. Would you two like us to leave the room for a minute? The clients must think they're nuts, right? I really like the part where David gets started explaining who he thinks killed Arthur Boyd and Maddie's following him up and down the room, making her little comments. It's just hilarious. Yes, yes, I know. It's great. Yeah, they really just work so well together. Yeah, the timing of it's really good too when they're going, Paul, Laura, Paul, Laura, and then Mm -hmm. Sonny walks in and goes, Paul Yes, nearly has a heart attack when he realises that Paul's alive. And the lighting on Sonny is, again, a little bit like gunfight. Mm He's a little bit shadowy on the left-hand side, not totally like Michael Rye, but, (laughs) you know. Yeah. You finally find out that he's actually killed old man Boyd because he wants Laura for himself. So Sonny begins shooting around the room and again, quite a bad shot. Yep. Yes. And uh, Maddie and David dive under the table (laughs) and Maddie bites Sonny's leg. Yeah. So David tells her to go and bite Sonny's leg. Yeah. David and Sonny um, tussle, have a tussle in the hallway over the gun. David's trying to get the gun. And then uh, David says, bite him again, Maddie. And she comes up and bites the wrong person. She bites David. So yeah, there's just like a lot of comedy going on. And Sonny runs one way down the hall and Maddie and David jump into the room off the hallway. Sonny's shooting. And David's counting the bullets. All right, just like in the pilot. That's six. Six bullets. Okay. I like how David sticks out a toe. Okay, that's six. <laughs> he steps out into the hallway, guy shoots again. He carries extra bullets. I hate it when they do that. <laughs> like the guy had time to uh, reload, you know? That's the part I don't quite get. Yeah. He, he didn't have time to reload. There's no way. No. 
But one thing I did like before that is when David says again, bite his leg again, but she bites yeah. David's leg instead. Oh, yes. And he said, I said, bite, not eat. And she goes, I you to bite, not eat. I'm so sorry from the bottom of my mind. You look the same to me. <laughs> yeah, I know, which is a funny line. But you know what she says? She says, from the bottom up. Yeah. And she should have said, from the waist down, I think. That would have made more sense. From the bottom up. Yeah. So, yeah. I love the way she delivers this line and the expression on her face. It's hilarious. Yeah. Yes. And the look that David gives her is hilarious as well. Now, I would like to talk to you about the bullets. Yeah. First of all, the first bullet hits the vase in the studio. Mm -hmm. In the next couple of shots, the vase is intact. Mm, Okay. So they must have shot that before. I don't know, whatever. Now, the next shot, he shoots the clock. Okay. So I did a still of the clock, and it's a 24-hour clock, which is pretty cool. Mm. But it said one, no, it said 1 a.m. or 2 a.m., something like that. So the clock was wrong anyway. Yeah. Okay. The third shot went into the glass. Now, if you, (laughs) you have to go and watch it again. If you pause where he shoots the glass, it's the same shot of when Paul was shot at the beginning of the episode. Oh, really? They use the same. Okay. They use the same frame. Oh, how funny. Okay. Yep. The next one is where he shoots the water and it comes down on Maddie when she's under the table. Yeah. The next one is in the corridor. David and Sonny go into the corridor. Then there's another shot in the corridor when Sonny's trying to get out the door and he shoots all the trophies down on the ground. Mm -hmm. Then there's one of David's foot. Now, David says, oh, six bullets. He's out of bullets, right? Yeah. Yeah. But that was, in fact, seven bullets. I was thinking we were getting, you know, past six at this point. How funny. Yeah. So there was actually seven bullets prior to David sticking his foot out thinking that Sonny had run out of bullets. Oh, good job, Grace. Very good. (laughs) Counting those bullets and all that. I just, yeah, I did not even think to count. I just took it for granted that they would have had six shots, but nope, they went for seven and uh, (laughs) that's great. One of them is not so noticeable. Because it's when they're both fighting and they end up in the hallway and the gun goes off. Yeah. Because they're making so much noise, it's not so noticeable, but it's definitely a gunshot. That's great. Good catch. I like that. So now Sonny runs out into the stairwell and he ends up on the roof. They make out that they've lost him, make out they're going back in the stairwell. He comes out and then they come out onto the roof again. He throws the gun at the door. What use is that going to be? Um, I know. And then our lovely 80s music begins, Shauna. Yeah. It's very Miami Vice-ish. Yes, it is, isn't it? Yeah, it's really, really 80s music. (laughs) Yeah, it's really 80s. Yes, absolutely. Um, Yeah, so they end up climbing up to the radio station neon sign that's on the roof and clearly stunt doubles. Yeah, because the stunt double for Bruce, he's got this funny way of climbing. Like he yes. spreads his legs outwards when he's climbing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the stunt double for Sonny too, he, that's not him either. So what do you think about the, I thought it was really good how when you've got David and Sonny up on the ledge, Sonny's got this pipe in his hand 
and he's going towards David as if he's going to knock him over or something, and the music yeah. goes with him. Oh, yeah. He makes a movement with the pipe. The sound goes with it. Hmm. The music yeah. actually plays with what the actions of what Sonny's doing. Yeah, I like that. So Sonny, unfortunately, touches the neon sign with the pipe and gets electrocuted. And when you look at the direction, he's actually falling backwards. But the next shot from the ground, he's actually falling forward. Mm. Did you notice okay. that? I didn't notice that. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the stuntman did like a forward fall, even though up on the ledge, it looked like he was falling backwards. Um, all right. Well, I have something to say about the scene where Maddie and David come out onto the rooftop. And then they go back inside the door and they shut the door and he, Sonny's shooting at them, but then throws that gun. Okay. Now commentary, the commentary for Atomic over the credits, Sybil and Bruce are in there together. Right. And Sybil says to Bruce, do you remember when I told the stunt guy to throw the gun and hit you in the head with it? Oh. And yeah. <laughs> what? So Sybil tells this story twice during the commentary. So once is during Atomic, she says to Bruce, do you remember when I told the stunt guy to throw the gun, when he threw the gun to hit you in the head with it for real? And, mm-hmm. um, and she said, I, I'm sorry, I hope you don't um, hold any grudges against me for that. And he says, no, um, I don't. I, I don't blame you for anything. So they, they have like a moment of like um, an apology happens between oh. them. So the, the scene where... Um, Sonny runs up onto the roof and then Maddie and David follow him, but then they turn, turn around and they go inside that door. And then Sonny, as we said, throws the gun at the door instead of like shoots. Then he is out of bullets, I guess. Now, again, this is the only scene that I think that she could be talking about. He throws the gun at David. Now she said that she asked the stunt guy to, when he throws the gun to hit Bruce with the gun. Yeah. But he hit the door. but he hit the door. Yeah. So it doesn't totally like, it doesn't totally make sense, but I can't think of another scene where someone throws a gun. Right. Then um, I believe it's in every daughter's father is a virgin. Every father's daughter, every daughter's father. <laughs> I was, I was confused. Again, Sybil's talking to Glenn and she says one time she was, I'm kind of paraphrasing mad at Bruce. And she asked the stunt guy to throw a gun he, the stunt guy was supposed to throw a gun at the door towards Bruce. Mm-hmm. And she asked him to throw and hit it, hit him in the head for real. She tells this story twice and both times you can tell she feels really bad about it. And, you know, during the atomic recording, she's like apologizing to Bruce about it. And Bruce says, no, no, no I, I don't, I don't blame you for anything. Oh. Um, and then the second time she's telling the story, it's the same story, but she doesn't get to finish it because something happens in the scene and like their conversation goes another way. Someday we'll do um, a podcast on just commentary episodes, Grace. And then we yeah, can. Um, I, think, I think that's you know? a good idea because we seem to mention it a lot, don't we? <laughs> yeah, because, uh, yeah, like I've said, um, you know, other than like Scott Ryan's book or, um, you know, some other things, interviews, they, I think they are the best insight to the show that we have. So I kind of listen really closely to those to see what was going on behind the scenes. She must feel bad about it. Yeah. Yeah. She must feel bad about it. She mentioned it twice. Um, but anyway, so the stuntman falls from the ledge. And like you said, he then fell forward. And then uh, so uh, David climbs down and I always think it's sweet. He goes straight to Maddie. I thought that was yeah. lovely. He walks straight towards her and they have a big hug. 
Yes. Cause she's standing there. They're really worried about him. And, you know, gosh, I mean, David's in the middle of something where, you know, really like life and death scenario within their world. We know he's not going to yes. die, but, and then uh, Laura and Paul go to Sunny. It was a nice ending for both couples. Exactly. And get nice Sunny out of the way couple. and Arthur's out of the way. And now Paul and Laura can just be together. Yeah. It worked out really well for Laura and Paul. She's obviously left with a lot of money now and Paul doesn't have to hide. He can live again. Yep. yep. Now the tag, the ending tag on the show is one of my favorites. Yes. And why is that? Because it's Maddie and David possibly going out together. Indeed it is. Yes. But I really like the way David asks her. Yeah. I mean, his face is away from the camera. You can just see a little bit of the size of his face, but he, he sort of says, You want to do something tonight? Get something to eat or something maybe? But the way he says it, it was similar to a high school guy asking this girl out because he's not sure what answer he's going to get. I just no, got exactly. that impression. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Exactly. And um, sometimes I do wonder, they must have gone out together after work. Sometimes they've talked about it in more than one episode, Mm. you know, getting a drink after work or getting a bite, how they walk off together very much arm in arm. Yeah. Just the way that I embrace my coworkers and walk off with my coworkers every single day. Don't you, Grace? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? It's a different relationship, isn't it? Yeah, they look like boyfriend and girlfriend walking out of work together, yeah. like very yeah. much arms around each other. Yeah, it's cute. And also, um, I really like Maddie's response. I yeah. think she's telling a little bit of a joke here and being a little bit sarcastic. Madison, we've been over this before. You know I have to be at home alone in bed by 9.30. Yeah, he's, uh, she's kind of like playing it up to him, kind of joking back to him, right? She's kind of being playful with him and maybe even a little bit flirty. Yeah, I just found it to be an unusual characteristic because she's not normally that sort of playful and joking along with him oh you know I've got to be in bed by 9 30 I just found that unusual for her character to say something like that but I'm glad she did I'm glad she did and he's being you know even when she says I wonder what it's like being a a woman men die for you know yeah that's right yes he said it's not all it's cracked up to be it's hard to make plans dates keep getting sick kicking off not showing up (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly yes like yeah yeah i just love the freeze frame on it and david had to bring up the boinking again ah come on it's not a school night there's all kinds of great things going on out there can't you hear him hear him sure that's right. And I really like how Glenn, as always, plants the seed in yeah. the first or second act and he brings it home in right yep. at the last 30 seconds. Yeah, it's just one of my favorite endings are just because I guess they're fun and flirty and um, playful in there and possibly going out together. Can't imagine why they wouldn't. I mean, she definitely wasn't saying no. No. So you just assume they've gone out for a drink or something. But I wish we could see that. You know? Yes, I know. Exactly. I want to see them up for a drink because uh, at the beginning of um, Portrait of Maddie, he's saying, we always go out for a drink on Friday. It's brought up again that they go out for drinks after work sometimes. Yeah. Why don't we see it, Grace? Why? Why don't we see it? The only thing I did notice about this episode, whether it's in other episodes and I haven't noticed it, I don't know, but there are a lot of scenes in this episode that they are separated that they have a scene with somebody else. Right. Yeah. I'm assuming 
it could be to save time because you know the schedule was so hectic. But that's something I I sort of noticed in this episode. That's not to say it's not in other episodes that we've already talked about. I haven't. I'll have to go back and watch them. But I just noticed that they're in separate scenes. I'm assuming to save time. Yes. Also, I think um, it was to give each one of them a break um, yeah. because yeah. they were in every scene together. So Glenn had to find ways for them to, um, yes. for one of them to be off and have a break. Um, did we mention that they made the front page? Just as he promised. Yeah, just as he promised. Exactly. The funny thing is, I paused it, of course, Grace, to look at the newspaper. And while there is the headline there, there's no actual article that says anything about the murder. I paused it as well. And I wrote down the headlines of other articles on the paper. I didn't notice that there was no article on the radio host slain. It just says 25 cents, Los Angeles Tribune, and then it says the circulation, which was 450,000 or something. Um, One of the titles was Two Interest Groups Greet Governor in Own Style. What the hell does that mean? I don't know. And then Gunshots Heard by Thousands. Is this the first um, paper or the second paper? The first one. Oh, okay. Um, I'm talking about the second paper. I didn't freeze frame the second one. Yep. Okay. Yep. I free- well, that's good. We're a great pair because you freeze frame the first one and I freeze frame the second one. Shauna, and- Shauna, Shauna, there is no doubt about us. I know. Did no. you notice what I just said? I just said Shauna, Shauna, Shauna. <laughs> Gracie, Gracie, Gracie. David, David, David. <laughs> David, 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 Maddie, Maddie, Maddie. Oh, my God. I watched it again and I can't remember what the fourth one was. But you know how he goes, is she great or what? to Agnes and then he says is this a wild country or what in the car when they came out of this radio station and then when Paul is telling them at Blue Moon that he wants to hire them she goes yeah of course we'll take your case and then he says is this kid a great audience or what but then he says it again but I didn't write it down so I reckon he said it four times (laughs) I love it I know yeah I love that too now Grace yes Drum roll. Grace, is this in your top 10? No, it's not. Okay. No, it's not in my top 10, but I would say this would be in my top 20 if I had one. All right. Yeah. It's a good episode, good plot. I like the comedic timing. There's quick comedic timing in it, really fast, which also includes the guest stars, which I love it when they include the guest stars in that sort of thing, and a lot of goofs, which I like. True, yes, and we found, I think, even more today. Yes. Well, guess what? Get out of 10. This episode is in my top 10, Grace. Yay, we've reached a top 10 episode. (laughs) That's pretty high on my list, actually. Well, let's break out the champagne. That is amazing. Um, The reason being is I feel like it is the first episode that – where Maddie and David really become Maddie and David. It's the beginning of them kind of like clicking into those characters. I like the pace of it. I like the beginning. I like the radio host, the story, how it opens. Good case. A lot of Maddie and David banter. I don't know. It just has like, it ticks so many boxes for me as far as like, you know, what I go to for a moonlighting episode. And I think that along with, it's the first one where I just really feel like it's them. Something about that to me appeals flirty you get them talking about their relationship calling you know one of them jealous and the beginning of a lot of good stuff 
Terrific. We've got a top 10 episode. It is a very good episode, but it was close to being in my top 10, but I had to put others in. So um, I'll tell the listeners. I sent Shauna a message during the week. Because I was trying to finalise my top 10. So I sent her a voice message and I said, Shauna, I'm in the middle of doing my top 10, but so far I've got the top 27. (laughs) I know. (laughs) And to bring that that 27 down to 10 was absolutely killing me. It was hard to bring it down. And it was actually hard to eliminate this episode. Now, here we are, episode, is this four or five in the series? Five, right? Five. Yes, this is five. And what's our door slam count, Grace? Bruce does shut the door in this episode, you know, when they cancel the dentist appointment, but he doesn't slam it. So we still don't have a slam. And that is amazing, isn't it? Because we just assumed that every episode had a door slam. Yeah. And here we are, episode five, first season, and no door slam. Episode five, and there's still not a door slam. I know. I'm actually really interested to see when and what episode the door slam and what causes that door slam. When when does that actually happen? Yeah. Can't wait to see that. I wonder if it's going to be season two. We had a singing Bruce. We didn't have any rhymes by Agnes. And we also had I'm Crying by Linda Ronstadt. It's now time for Moonlight Trivia. Uh, So I've got some trivia for you, Grace, if you're ready for that. I am ready. First question in the episode, what color was Laura Boyd's dress in the portrait? I think it was a, a red or a burgundy color. Mm, yes, very good. Yeah, like a deep yeah. red. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Second one, what items were on Maddie's floor leading up to her sitting in the bed when she was drinking her glass of wine and listening to Paul McCain naked? Okay, so I'm pretty sure that that was that brown beige again with the beige, the beige jacket, and then there was her shirt on the ground, and then her shoes. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't think we saw a bra. No. No. Um, pantyhose. No. Trying to think. I remember seeing the jacket. I think the jacket was hanging, and then on the ground you see her shirt. No, her shoes, and then her shirt. Yes. Three items is good. I'll, I'll say three items is a win. There was also her handbag and yep. the newspaper that with Paul McCain on it. Oh, of course. Yes. Yeah, that's right. And I believe, okay, jacket, purse, shoes, skirt, blouse, newspaper. That's, that's what I wrote down. Oh, okay. Yep. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. I just couldn't now picture my- what they were. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, that's why I have to come up with like some very hard ones because you're good. Thank you, Shauna. Now, my last one is um, when David comes in Maddie's office to swap apologies behind him. um, Oh, and by the way, he sits on the corner of her desk. I think that's the first time. Um, Okay. Just thought of it. Behind him, you know, the blue moon workers are walking behind them. How many blue moon workers do we see in the background as they swap apologies? I think there's only two because there's a guy and I remember a girl. I don't know if it's the same scene, but I think there's two because you don't see Agnes. You don't see Agnes much in this episode. I'll say two. Five. What? Yes. Two that walk together 
and then one that crosses by herself and then two others walk in. Oh, okay. Yeah. Must be a different scene I'm thinking of, yeah. Oh, good but, one, Shauna. <laughs> did you have any trivia this week? Or um... I did. I did. First question is, what letter did Sonny get electrocuted on? Oh, gosh, that's a good one. Uh, the D. No, the K. The K. Okay. So it's K-R-K-D. Yeah, on the second okay. K. Okay. What colour is the crystal ball on the coffee table when Maddie and Paul are sitting in front of the fire? Mm, gosh, I kind of noticed it, but is it purple? No, it's green. Ah, green was my second guess. Green popped yeah. in my mind. Yeah, you see it very clearly when Maddie and David first go into the house and see Laura Boyd's portrait. What floor is the radio station on? Gosh, good question. At the start of the episode, you see the building, you see the light on in the building, and I was trying to count. Mm. That's not where it is. So, Oh, really? No. So when Sonny is running away after he has Mm. been shooting the studio down, he goes out into the stairwell and he opens the door and for a split second you can see the number on the wall of what floor they're on. Uh, okay. Um, I'm gosh, I'm going to guess five. They're on the ninth floor. Ah, the ninth floor. I knew it. I almost said ten, but okay, it's higher. <laughs> oh, ter- I'm terrible, Grace. They weren't easy. No, but you oh, know what? We're observant girls. We observe most things. There's something written here that I forgot to mention is that this is not the first time somebody gets electrocuted on the show. I was going to say that too. I forgot to mention that. This reminds me of, what's the other episode? All Creatures. All Creatures, great and not so great. The priest gets electrocuted like that. Um, Similar, like David, you know, um, tussling with him on the balcony. Not the priest, sorry, the husband. The husband, yeah. So, Grace, you know, it's so amazing is this is the fourth episode of Moonlighting that we've done a podcast on, and we already have nine reviews just on the Apple Podcast app. Fantastic. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, it's really great. So I thought I would read some of those because these are Moonlighting fans and now fans of the podcast, and I love how all of this is uniting our community. Yeah, let me read some of the reviews that we've got. The first one says, fun, fun, fun. I keep wishing they would bring back the show Moonlighting, but since that's not happening, this is the next best thing. Fun to relive each episode with Grace and Shauna. Feels like a fun coffee with friends talking about my favorite show. Hope for more fun facts and maybe special guests ahead to add some pizzazz to the old episodes as I rewatch them. And that's from Steph. I agree with her. We need it on the streaming service and uh, we want some special guests. The next one is from Blue Moon Banter. It says, great, great. Thanks for all you're doing for Moonlighting fans. I am loving the podcast and especially your great commentary on the episodes. Keep up the good work. I'm looking forward to hearing more. Next one is from Davis95616. The podcast brought me back to this show after watching it years ago. I am so happy Shauna and Grace are here to give us all the details on the cast crew and all the other thoughts on each episode. I listen on my walk, so I appreciate the great sound quality. Will a streaming service pick this show up already? Next one, Sassy4566. Great, great. Great job by two remarkable ladies who love moonlighting. They know their stuff. Maddie and David forever. Hear, hear, and hear the podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. 
Next one is from Style and Sue 5. Moonlighting fans rejoice. This podcast brings back Maddie and David into our lives again in a refreshing new way. Very well done and so much fun. And one more from Timothy B. Excellent. Love this show and the podcast does a great job with adding context and stories. Hopefully this will increase the visibility so a streaming service will pick up the entire series. Good retro feels. This is just uh, a few of the great reviews we've gotten on the um, Apple Podcast app, Grace. And thank you to everybody who took the time to leave us a review. It means so much to Grace and I. Yeah, it's terrific. We're very humbled by it because we love creating this podcast and bringing it out to the community. And at the start, we weren't sure how it was all going to play out, but we just knew what we wanted to do and wanted to create the best podcast possible with as much useful content as possible. So both of us really appreciate everybody for really taking the time to do a review Yeah, we love doing the podcast, first of all, and we're interested in all of the extra detail. And it's nice to hear that people also enjoy hearing all of those fun facts. We've received quite a few messages from our Moonlighting fans regarding how you can support us. As you are well aware, Shauna and I do this out of the goodness of our hearts, and we absolutely enjoy creating this podcast and putting it all together for you guys to enjoy it every week. So what we've done is we've set up a profile on coffee.com so that if you guys want to donate anything at all to support us, it would be greatly appreciated. So the website name is coffee.com, as in ko-fi.com slash moonlighting the podcast. So it's ko-fi.com slash moonlighting the podcast. What you're doing is when you donate, you're actually buying a door slam. Now, the website is actually set up that you buy a coffee because it's coffee.com. But what we've done is changed it to a door slam because it's more appropriate to moonlighting. And anything at all that you can donate, we would be so appreciative. Yeah, so when you log into coffee.com slash moonlighting the podcast, we've got a bit of a gallery there. We've got all the reviews that we've received. You can actually message us in that donate button. So you can do a one-time donation or you can do a monthly donation. Well, and some other exciting news, Grace, we now have Moonlighting the Podcast merchandise. This is so exciting. Uh, It is exciting, actually. Um, You can get a tote bag, a t-shirt, a hat, cell phone case, all with three different uh, Moonlighting the Podcast images. So where can you find this merchandise? It is on Redbubble. So you can go on to redbubble.com and search Moonlighting the Podcast merchandise or join our Facebook group, which is Facebook slash groups slash Moonlighting the Podcast or Follow us on Instagram, which is at Moonlighting the Podcast, or just send us a, an email at fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com. And I'll be happy to send you the link. So, yeah, if you want some fun Moonlighting the Podcast merchandise, head over to Redbubble and get yourself a hat, a t shirt, a tote bag, an apron, Grace. I know that's what I'm really excited about because I love my cooking. Yeah, there's mouse pads. There's about 65 items on the list. Yeah, so there's quite a few things that you can choose from. So we're really excited about this. Sean has been doing a lot of work in the background to organize some merchandise. We've been wanting to do this from the start, but it's taken a little while to get everything set up. So well done, Shauna, and I'll be definitely buying some stuff. 
Yes, I know. And I, I want that tote bag. Some that say moonlighting the podcast, some that are just images of moonlighting, like one from the dream sequence always rings twice. They're hand-drawn, animated, kind of looking drawings. I'll post uh, some of those images on the Instagram and Facebook group so people can see what's up for offer. Fantastic. We're really excited about that. So I hope everybody is excited about that too and goes in, has a look and see what tickles your fancy. If you know any Moonlighting fans, you can buy that merchandise for Christmas. It's right around the corner or put it on your Christmas list and send your friends and family the link. Great idea. So uh, what episode are we going to be talking about next week, Shauna? Yes, Grace. Next week, we will be discussing season one, episode six, Next Stop Murder. The murder continues, Grace. It does. An inkling of murder. The next murder you hear, next step murder, and then murders in the mail. Murder, murder, murder. Everybody's getting shot and killed in um, moonlighting. And electrocuted and stabbed and all sorts of, yeah, debauchery. Luckily, not Maddie and David. But it's a great episode because it includes our lovely Elise Beasley. Uh, She gets a bigger part in this episode. She wins a competition to be put on the murder mystery train, which belongs to J.B. Harland. Um, But that's all I'm going to say. Right. That should be interesting. Um, Her husband at the time was also in that episode. So just near his bio. Looking forward to that. Yes. I can't wait to talk to you about that episode, Shauna. I can't wait to rewatch and discuss it with you, Grace. Well, until next time. I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. Thank Thank you for for listening listening to to Moonlighting Moonlighting the Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.